Welcome to the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. Let's get to today's starting lineup. In goal, I am the American Rhino, Gary McComsky, number 35, and my illustrious partner. On defense, number four, I'm James Sajazi. All right, James. So uh, we've lasted all the way to podcast number two. How do you feel about that? That's a good start. I'm happy that we made it through one, and hopefully we'll make it through two and a lot more. Yeah, you lips to God's ears. All right, so uh, why don't we go to James and see what's on deck for today's podcast? Thank you, Gary, and here's what's on deck. The 2016 NHL Outdoor Games slash Stadium Series. The NHL has done a terrific job embracing its roots and creating big in-season events with their Outdoor slash Stadium Series. All fans who have played any form of hockey can relate a little bit more to these games than the regular arena games. Hockey Day in America, Sunday, February 21st, the NHL has scheduled a broadcast triple header, and Gary and I will tell you how we'll celebrate Hockey Day. From there, we'll step into the training room where the topic will be keeping warm in the cold and the extreme cold. And finally, Mr. American Rhino Mac, Equipment Manager. That's right, our very own American Rhino Gary will give us tips on how he keeps his goalie gear in game form at all times and on the cheap. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. Uh, that's exciting. I'm looking forward to this podcast. It should be uh, very informative. I hope so. That uh, <laughs> should be the goal or one of our goals in the podcast, that it's entertaining and informative. There you go. <laughs> Pun intended. Yeah, I need to get a rim shot sound effect. The best I can do is a, like a, a ping. Okay. There you go. That's well, that, that's our version. All right, great. Rim shot. <laughs> Nicely done. Thank you. Okay, so why don't you start us off? Sure. So like we said, uh, the first topic on deck is the NHL Outdoor Games slash Stadium Series. And on February 21st, the Blackhawks will take on the Wild at the University of Minnesota Stadium. Also, the Red Wings will go over to Coors Field and play the Avalanche on February 27th. And just from my point of view for the Outdoor Series or Stadium Series, as the NHL calls these particular games, I feel like it has a bit more of a pickup game feel to them, such as a deck hockey game where if you're not in a league, you go to a park and you show up with hopefully a few of your friends and maybe somebody else will come out with a hockey stick and participate. And just being in the elements, it's something interesting to see. As like we said before, the NHL has done a good job in embracing its roots, which hockey started out on ponds, frozen ponds in the outdoors and things. So it's just kind of a cool thing to see and something that may be a little bit more relatable to the average fan. No, I agree. That is pretty cool. Um, it does definitely have a, a looser, more informal feel to it. And uh, it almost seems like an exhibition game. Like I, I know personally from my own experience, when I watch these games, I almost there's a part of me that feels like this has got to be an exhibition game, right? This can't actually count because of all the variables. And this is this is crazy, especially when it starts snowing or something like that, or when it's in the really hot weather, if the ice gets a little uh, too mushy and and shiny and, you know, you can tell that it's not normal skating conditions. I mean, heck, even seeing a goalie with a big knitted cap on top of his mask. Personally, I think that looks cool. I've actually tried to do that once or twice and uh, it doesn't work because I don't have a hat that's really big enough to fit over my mask but I digress but you look at it and you're like how is this regular season game how, how does this count this is too cool to actually count 
but obviously it does. So yeah, I, I do like the loose atmosphere. It, it also seems like the players have a little more fun with it because it is a novelty for them. And as you said, a lot of them, for, for a lot of them, it's going back to their roots at, in playing pond hockey. So I, I think that's probably a lot of fun. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, and as you said, a good point, too, is I think it was last year or maybe two years ago that the Kings and Ducks actually played at Dodger Stadium in L.A. Yes, I remember uh, that. Just Yeah, just tip of the cap big time to the, the NHL for keeping the ice. I think the, the magic number for keeping the ice in game form is 27 degrees or something of that level. Okay. And to do it outdoors in LA where I forget what the temperature was at the time, but it definitely wasn't freezing. Well, just to give you uh, a little bit of a, an idea for, for reference, and this is maybe jumping ahead a little bit to a later segment, but I work with people in LA. I'm located in New York as are you, but I work frequently with people in LA and last week we had a day where it was uh, almost 30 degrees in LA that same day. It was 80 degrees. So just to you know, give you the idea, in, even in the dead of winter on the West Coast, it can get really, really hot. Yeah, that's that's really puts it in perspective. They did schedule the game to be played at night, which probably helped. Obviously, they took extreme measures, if you will, of keeping the ice covered, making sure that the sun glare wasn't going to affect it too much or melt it too much. But yeah, that's that's pretty, pretty incredible how they set up a rink in a baseball stadium or a football stadium. And uh, exactly, these games count. They're regular season games, which makes it a little bit more exciting. It makes for great TV. And it's it's just cool to see Mother Nature playing a role in it too, right? Like you said, if it's raining or if it's snowing out and seeing these guys with the smoke coming out of their mouths and wearing knit hats and yeah. things, it's kind of fun. So Now, James, let me uh, discuss, I wouldn't say the elephant in the room because I haven't heard it talked about as much this year, but when these Stadium Series games were first announced, obviously the NHL started with the Winter Classic on New Year's Day a few years ago, well, more than a few at this point, but um, they started with one outdoor game a year, the Winter Classic on New Year's Day, and it was a big hit, got a lot of attention for the sport from people who might not otherwise watch, and it was so successful that they added these Stadium Series games, which are games played in stadiums outdoors in a bunch of different cities every year on a bunch of different days. Now, I know when they first introduced the Stadium Series games, there was a little bit of, not controversy, but there was a little bit of concern from a lot of hockey fans that they were watering down the concept and it was overexposing the stadium idea and that it would kind of ruin the whole thing for everybody because it would stop being special. I'm curious as to what you think now that we're a few years into the stadium series, what you think the effect on the sport and, and on the winter classic specifically has been with adding these stadium series games, if any. Yeah. The great points. I, I agree with you hundred percent too. When the, the new year's day games came about that it was such a special one time a year, everybody's watching type thing and getting the average fan or casual fans involved as well. Obviously you're going to get the, the hockey fans in there, but it, they seem to have done a good job in not watering it down too much. And then, yeah, labeling it the stadium series as opposed to the outdoor game or the winter classic, as, as you mentioned, right. for the new, the New Year's Day games. Mm -hmm. So for TV ratings point of view, it's actually those games do rate a bit better than the average regular season games uh, on NBC, the, the few games that they do air on network. So it, they've done a good enough job where it's still special enough 
And as you said, it's regular season, so it still counts. So people have to tune in and support their teams. And obviously you'll get the spectacle of the average fan just out of curiosity, maybe. And just the fact that it makes good TV being outdoors. They have special events for bands opening up and playing the national anthems and then during the intermissions and things. So it's the NHL has done a good job in, in keeping it special and not watering it down too much and not overdoing it. So with the addition of the stadium series, I think they've done a good job in balancing both where you still have big events, people can enjoy it and it's not overkill. So I, I think they've, they've, they've found the, the happy medium. All right. And if nothing else, it sells a lot of tickets because a baseball stadium or football stadium can hold a lot more people than a hockey arena can, even the biggest hockey arena, because obviously it's it's built to hold more people and, and you have a lot more room to play with in terms of capacity in the stands. And I think you're right. I think it brings a lot of positive attention to not just the teams themselves, but to the game because they do generate discussion and, and buzz and I'm sure it's on Sports Center and, and it's an it is a novelty. Even if it's not just that one day, it is still a novel thing because it only happens a few times a year and it's novel enough that people outside of the sport are going to sit up and pay attention. Another thing that uh, maybe has a little bit of novelty to it and hopefully will bring some attention to the sport of hockey is, as you said, Hockey Day in America, which is this coming Sunday. Or if you're listening to this after the Sunday, the 21st, last Sunday. Or if you're listening to this way far flung in the future, it was Sunday, February 21st, 2016. <laughs> all right. Good job. Thank you. I try to cover all our bases. There you go. See, podcasting is a non-linear type of thing. You don't have to listen to it as we're speaking. That's the advantage of podcasting, the advantage it has over radio, which is generally live. So our listener, you, the listener who is listening, you are listening at your leisure at any time. Well, not right at this moment because you don't have access to it yet. But any time other than as we're recording it, any time following my posting of it, you can listen to it. And you don't have to be listening to it any time in proximity to February 21st, 2016. All those completely unnecessary caveats aside, James, talk to us about Hockey Day in America. All right, that's as bulletproof as it gets. I don't care what kind of lawyers you have out there or people looking to find a hole in your argument. Boom. Excellent job. So there you go. Yeah, as you said on said Hockey Day in America, the NHL has scheduled a doubleheader on NBC starting at 1230 and then a primetime game on NBC Sports Network to cap it off. Also... They feature that Blackhawks Wild game that will take place at Minnesota Stadium and uh, the University of Minnesota Stadium, I should say. So, again, a little bit of a spotlight on the great sport of hockey and the top league in being the NHL. So Gary and I, we would like to participate in Hockey Day by playing, but uh, since we cannot because of other engagements. We're at least starting early by talking hockey with this podcast. Yes. So we don't need to go in, into the whole time-lapse thing and Doc Brown and whatnot. <laughs> but as of the recording, um, You see, James, you the advantage to podcasting is that it's nonlinear. <laughs> <laughs> heavy, Doc. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Groundhog Day was a couple of weeks ago. 
Uh, yeah. So for myself, I can't speak for James, but for myself, the reason I cannot play hockey on Sunday, much as I would love to, is that I have an event going on all day on Saturday that will sap me of any and all strength that I have. And on Sunday, I anticipate being a puddle of goo. Right. Well, we hope you get back in shape quickly. So maybe the weekend after we could play. But uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The NHL didn't didn't quite make sure to get our schedules synced up with hockey day, but we're doing our part right now. So yeah, something else to hate Gary Bettman about. As if you needed something else. Right. And technically, you know, every day is hockey day when you think about it. That's so true. If you're playing hockey, it's hockey day in America. If you're practicing or playing or thinking about it or as we're doing talking about it, mm-hmm. it's hockey day. But so there you go. Or listening to a podcast about it. That's right. That's right. So that puts that to bed. So let's go uh, and take a trip to the training room. Yes. And with all this outdoor stuff being on the topic uh, and us being on the East Coast in the wonderful country of the U.S., it's been pretty cold as traditional winters have been in this part of the world. So uh, we consider, just to, again, keep people on the same page, we consider 32 degrees and below cold and single digits or lower extreme cold. Yeah. So <laughs> if, yeah, if there's a listener out there in Alaska or Wisconsin or Winnipeg or even Siberia uh, that think that kind of weather is springtime temperature, just wanted to clarify what we feel is cold to extreme cold. And thanks for listening if you're out there, too. So much appreciated. Yes. Thank you for uh, thawing yourself out long enough to listen to this podcast. So when you're talking about outdoor games and trying to keep warm, you can't underestimate the importance of undergarments. Never underestimate the power of the undergarments. Yes, they are your friends. To uh, Um, paraphrase yogurt from Spaceball. Well done. Uh, personally, for me, I've tried out uh, the Shock Doctor brand full-length jock slash underpants, and the benefit of modern-day technology is a lot of these companies come out with wicking ability uh, clothing that takes the sweat off of your body and helps keep you dry and warm. And I recommend the Shock Doctor full-length jock slash underpants. They do a great job in doing that, keeping you comfortable and warm. And obviously, on top of those, personally, I wear the long pants that are associated with roller hockey pants, I guess you could call them. Mm-hmm. So that does a good job in, in keeping the lower body warm. Yeah, not to for... be confused with the hockey pants that you would wear, uh, the, the girdle that you would wear, which is called hockey pants if you were playing roller hockey or ice hockey. The assist goes to Rhino Mac. Thank you very much. Sure. For the upper body, obviously long-sleeved, sweat-wicking undershirts, the same thing. Things Brands like Under Armour, Rawlings make good clothing like that, CCM, Hespuller. So there's a bunch of companies you can look into depending on how much money you want to spend or how good the quality is. So they do the same exact thing where they keep your body warm and dry by taking the sweat away from your skin. And on top of that, I usually go with the fleece sweatshirt and if needed, an old jacket. So I have an old 1992 starter jacket on standby just for that purpose. From there, as Gary touched on before, I'd recommend a fleece winter hat that covers the ears, which is important, especially if it's windy. And if need be, you could even double up on pairs of socks. Obviously, you're not wearing skates. This is just strictly for deck hockey, by the way. You're not wearing skates, so 
if you're in sneakers and your ankles are exposed or uh, you have those kind of sneakers where if they're running sneakers, they're a bit more breathable. I definitely recommend doubling up on the socks. And on top of everything else, you have your traditional, this is just for forwards, by the way, you have your traditional hockey gloves, shin guards, elbow pads. They always help to keep you warm and dry. And on top of everything, you have your jersey and your hockey pants, as Gary mentioned before, the long roller hockey style as opposed to the on ice girdle style. Uh, What are the defensemen allowed to wear? Same thing. Oh, okay. You said just for the forwards, so I wanted to make sure we were on the same page. Defensemen, you have to be naked in the cold. I threw my own position under the bus, so... (laughs) Good um, job, James. Thanks. Just to make things easier, you can't really call us skaters, I guess. So I I do anyway. I always... You know, just, just an aside, whenever I'm talking about people who are playing hockey who are not in goal, I refer to them as skaters, even if they're running around in sneakers, because... You know, skaters is what you call a non-goalian hockey, and, you know, the terminology is just so ingrained. And runners sound silly because runners is a completely different type of sport. If you're a runner, you're running somewhere. Not that you're not running in hockey, but, you know, you're if you're doing a marathon or track and field or something, you're a runner. If you're playing hockey, you're a skater. And just, just the, the, the same way, in the same vein, if I'm playing hockey and I'm talking about the surface, it generally... I'll refer to it as the ice, even if it's concrete or asphalt or uh, wooden floor. I'll call it the ice because you play hockey on ice. And maybe that's just me. Maybe it's not. Maybe that's a more universal thing. I don't know. I can only speak for myself, but uh, that's the terminology that I use by cracky and I like it. All right. I'm not going to I'm not going to dispute that. But um, yeah, I didn't come at me, bro. Didn't mean to to uh, offend any defenseman out there. I am one. Um just figuring that it would be easier to refer to us as forwards. But you're right. Technically, you got the center and the, the wingers. I'm not our traditional. I forwards, don't have so. to be right, James. I, I, you don't have to give me points on a technicality. I, I well, just... I, no, that, that, that's that's fair. It's just in this day and age, especially we're trying to get this podcast off the ground and, and engage listeners. But in this day and age, with the social media being the way it is, people are just out there looking to nitpick and, and hey, you didn't say that properly or that was wrong. And then they'll tweet about it. And all of a sudden, one little minor thing is the biggest thing in the world. And, Listen, and I'm not. I, I am all about splitting hairs and specificity. You don't have to tell me. So I guess that's why we work well together. Yeah, all right. So I'm not exactly politically correct. I don't believe in being told what to think and what to say. I'm Catholic, so I let God tell me what to think and what to say, except when I'm sinning. So uh, that's about it. But anyhow, <laughs> thanks for wearing the many hats to keep everybody off of our back. As uh, right. Spoken like a true goalie, too. Always blocking the, the nonsense and, and keeping <laughs> us in the game. And yeah, sense. contributing okay. my own. <laughs> So with that, obviously, it's 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 common sense when you're talking about keeping warm in the cold and the extreme cold. Just wanted to give a point of view on the deck hockey style, whereas we mentioned before that playing deck hockey, you don't necessarily have to break the bank. But if you do invest a few bucks here and there, a good idea is to make sure that you're warm and comfortable and can participate in all kinds of weather. In the future, we'll talk about what we do in the summertime when we need to try and keep as cool as possible. So with all of that said... I I don't know about you, but for me, the the answer is pretty much sweat. That's what I do in the summertime. Yeah, well, which was leading up to the goalies part. Yeah. Uh, The goalies speak for themselves with all of their gear. 
God bless you guys for it. So if you have any tips on what you do to, because yeah, no matter what, if it's it's the dead of winter or or June, I mean goalies are going to sweat a lot because of all that gear that you guys have and all of the action that you guys face. So if you have any tips on what you do to keep warm in the extreme cold, uh, let us know. Yeah. So let me just give you an idea, a quick overview of what I wear normally, even in July, August, when it's almost 90 degrees out. So what I normally wear, starting from my feet up, uh, shoes, sneakers, obviously, uh, since we're talking deck hockey and I'm not going to run around in my formal wear. Um, So sneakers, um, hockey socks, uh, or socks made for hockey. Again, not the hockey socks that one would wear in ice hockey because those don't actually cover your feet. It's a very confusing terminology that this game has, but that's neither here nor there, and I digress. So um, socks that are made for wearing uh, for hockey uh, in your skates, but they're very comfortable for sneakers as well. Um, So moving up from there, I have just a a pair of kind of workout pants, very loose-fitting, comfortable pants that I can wear over the knee pads and knee braces that I wear. I have bad knees, so I wear knee braces. Uh, Your mileage may vary. From there, underwear, whatever. Moving up, I have a Under Armour shirt that's somewhat tight-fitting, but it's also got that moisture-wicking, sweat-wicking stuff in it. I'm wiggling my hands like an idiot. I don't know why. Uh, Apparently, wiggling my hands side to side means moisture wicking for some reason it's i'm a i'm a strange fellow so um then in goal on top of that stuff i have my pads on my legs and above my pads i have hockey pants I don't use goalie pants because they're very expensive, and with a ball, I don't really need them. So I have hockey pants, the ice hockey hockey pants, not the roller hockey pants that James was talking about before. My cup, which I wear under my hockey pants, which uh, I believe last podcast I mentioned was near and dear to my heart and other places. And then on my chest, I have my chest protector, and over that, I wear a jersey. Then I've got my mask on top of my head and uh like i wear a bandana and a sweatband to just because i sweat a lot so soak up some of that stuff um i mention all of this gear just to give you an idea of what a goalie wears and the kind of heat that a goalie will retain even in the most bare bones conditions i mean i guess i could lose the jersey but most of that stuff is pretty necessary I mean, I, I've i seen goalies play goal in shorts, so the pants are not necessarily necessary, but I feel like from a protective standpoint, it's something that I personally need. So given all that, I would say my ideal temperature to play hockey in is probably somewhere around the upper 40s. That's, that's my ideal environment that I would play hockey in because that's the kind of temperatures where I feel like it's cool enough that... I'm not going to pass out from heat stroke. I know skaters or uh, runners, however you want to call forwards, that that's I'm not going to revisit that conversation. But I know uh, you guys tend to prefer temperatures a little warmer than that in general, by and large. So when it gets below that upper 40s range, 
and I start to get a little cool, I'll give you an idea of what I wear underneath. This has been a really long walk to kind of just get back to the topic that we were talking about in the first place, but I hope it has been somewhat worth your while. So what I wear, in addition to all that other stuff I just mentioned, it's it's pretty much Shock Doctor, as James mentioned, a very good brand for layering. The pants are, they're pretty form-fitting, the pants, but they have... Not that I need this, but they have um, like Velcro tabs on the upper thigh. So if I was wearing hockey socks, you can just Velcro them onto that instead of needing to wear a garter, which uh, I imagine would be useful if I were somebody who wore hockey socks regularly. Instead of the, speaking of hockey socks, instead of the thin socks that I would wear in the warm weather months, they're are thicker socks that I wear that are also made for wearing in skates, but they're also comfortable and, and they keep my feet warm. Then there is, uh, on, on my torso, I have a kind of what I refer to as my armor. It's, uh, again, Shock Doctor, but it's a shirt that has built-in protection for goalies. I, I think it's kind of a series of hexagonal gel segments, but they are in the area. They're, they don't cover the entire shirt. They cover the areas where your chest protector does not generally cover. So in case you get hit in an odd place by the puck, it's meant for a harder puck than what we use, but I find it's extra protection and it's uh, an extra warm layer for me in the cold weather months. And I'd love to wear one of those hats that we talked about at the top of the podcast for the the stadium series games with the knitted caps with the fuzzy ball on top and the, you know, winter cap, uh, because I think those things are kind of cool. I mean, they look silly, but I think it's cool for a goalie to be wearing them in a game, but alas, I don't have one that's large enough. And uh, now that I've rambled my way through a very long and unnecessary segment (laughs) do you have anything to add james no but i think that puts it in perspective as goalies don't have much of a choice in what they wear and uh maybe it benefits you guys as you said the sweet spot is about 40 degrees or thereabouts but you guys are really that's the equipment you have to wear and that's deck hockey so you still need to protect yourself considerably and you don't really have much wiggle room in terms of lightweight equipment or not putting on certain gear and things like that so i think i've sweated away some of my brain cells unfortunately so uh, it it puts it in perspective and and people should appreciate their at least a filter but yeah okay so i think we've talked more than enough about cold weather gear at least i have so why don't we move on and with that, we'll go back to Mr. American Rhino Mac. And oh, good. This time... Just what everybody <laughs> wanted. Hear more of me. I'm enjoying it. I think everybody else should, too. But Your uh, mileage may vary. So if you would trade in your goalie mask for the equipment manager hat, I personally, I would be interested in hearing some of your tips on how you keep all of that gear in game shape at all times. All right, just just a second. Let me change my hat. Oh, okay. All right, good. I don't wear hats a lot, so it's not as simple for me as it might be for other people. Anyway, so, yes, I am going to go into the uh, equipment manager mode, and I'm going to give you my goalie gear tip of the day. And just for those of you who might not be goalies, which is probably the vast majority of you, uh, just... On the average, I would say you can listen to because while I use these 
tips to keep my goalie gear in shape, your regular skater gear might also benefit from this. So give it a listen. You might learn something. But for all my goalies out there, here's your goalie gear tip of the day. And today's goalie gear tip. Now, I play primarily on a concrete surface, and that concrete surface tears the ever-loving stuffing, literally, out of a lot of my gear, particularly my blocker. And I could shell out money for a new blocker every time it gets torn up and, and gets a big gash in it. I'd rather not. My wife would definitely prefer if I did not. So what I do do is I have invested a little bit of money, really very little money, into a needle and some high strength thread. And what you do, what I do when I get a rip in one of those things, lay down a layer of duct tape. And at this point, uh, you should have a basic understanding of, of knowing how to sew. If you don't know how to sew, believe me, it is worth your while to know how to sew. If you are a man and you think, I'm a man, I don't need to know how to sew, that is women's work. You, sir, are an idiot because that is a valuable skill and it will save you boku bucks, sir. If you're a lady person, first of all, thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for enjoying deck hockey. I hope that everybody appreciates the fact that you are equal to any man out there playing hockey and we need more ladies like you. We need more tough chicks and tough broads that play like you do. So anyway, if you are one of them special lady folk, I would like you to know that it is not a bad stereotype that you want to avoid knowing how to sew. It behooves you as well to know how to sew because, again, Boku bucks are saved by repairing your own equipment. So... Let's assume you've watched a YouTube video about sewing and you have a basic understanding of how to sew. So you've got your, your torn blocker or pads or glove or, or what have you, but for just for this example, we're going to talk about blocker, okay? So you've got your blocker. It's got a huge gash in it because you had to make a diving save across your crease and uh, you tore it open on the concrete. What you're going to do, you're going to lay down that strip of duct tape over the hole. Um, Close it up as much as you can before you put down the tape. Close it up so it's it's pretty much closed. Lay down the tape. Keep an eye on where the tear is because you're not going to be able to see it once the tape is over it. But trust me, you want that tape there. So what you're going to do now is you've got your needle and thread. Sew up the hole. I'm making sewing motions with my hand. Again, you can't see it. Really, I'm not necessarily suited for this uh, audio medium because I'm a very visual person, but regardless. So you're going to want to sew up your hole. What I usually do is I double the thread and I try and use it liberally. Don't just make a few passes and have done. Make it a, a very close series of, of, I don't know, sewing terminology, but make your loops close together. Then when you've tied that off, lay another piece of duct tape over what you've sewn. This is very important because if you don't, then those threads are going to be exposed. And the next time you dive across the crease and scrape it against the concrete, that's going to rip those threads right out. And all the work that you did to sew that hole up is going to be for nothing. So lay that second piece of duct tape over the threads. And Bob's your uncle. And fun fact, Bob is actually my uncle. Uh, his, his name is not actually Bob. It's actually uh, Lance. I think Lanny, we call him, I, he's my uncle Lanny, but uh, he doesn't, not a big fan of that name. So he calls himself Bob, which is his middle name, Robert, I suppose, Bob. Bob is my uncle. Not the point. Anyway, uh, so 
<laughs> the uh, the the sewing, not the bit about oh, yeah. Bob being my uncle. That is your goalie gear tip of the day. Or oh, just uh, I just wanted to also reiterate too about the uh, goalie tip when you're, you're talking about saving money too. But for something like a blocker or a catching glove, wouldn't you want to save those? pieces of equipment just because of the break-in period and they probably feel comfortable you know how they react and you don't, you don't have to worry about breaking in a new piece of equipment and relearning how to use it and uh, maybe give up a soft goal here or there absolutely yeah i have a blocker that uh, not a blocker i'm sorry i have a catching glove a tour that's really seen better days and i have mended it as best i can but i i save it kind of for for big games because the bower that i have which is newer i've had it for months and i've still never been able to really properly break it in and uh it's it's unfortunate but yet you're absolutely right that that is another reason not just saving money it also saves you time and aggravation in the break-in process that's a that is a you yourself have made a key save there james and uh, a quality assist if I do say so myself. All right. Much, much appreciated. I've done my job for the night. Good night, everybody. All right. Get out of here, you big lug. All right. Um, so before we wrap up, there's one final thing. We had a comment sent into us by a listener. It is number 17, Anthony Novello, who is a forward with the Misfits out in St. James, New York. And he had a comment in response to the previous podcast where I said this. A lot of leagues don't require helmets. Some require helmet full cage. Some require just the helmet. Some don't require a helmet, the old Craig McTavish. So Anthony took issue with this. His comment was, I have never played in a league that did not require a helmet. Now, James, I've done some poking around since I've read that comment. And uh, I would first like to get your take. So do you think that we were just, um, it's a G-rated podcast, so let me say, do you think we were talking out of our bottoms, or do you think that there is basis, in fact, for what we said? Did we uh, screw up or not? Uh, well, yeah, I guess we have to call Toronto for that, but no, I don't, I don't think you screwed up at all. Obviously, like we were joking around before with the technicalities and making sure we have all our bases covered to, again, steal a um, something from another sport. But I think we were talking not only leagues, but for tournaments, too. So maybe your friend Anthony is probably right. And, and thanks for listening, Anthony, by the way. For the deck hockey leagues that I've seen in the tri-state area of, of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, they do all state that you need helmets as a requirement, obviously, among other pieces of equipment that you may want, like knee pads or elbow pads, I don't think they are as important. But as far as I know, I think he's right in that the leagues do require helmets. But what we were saying was more of tournaments and leagues. And you and I, Gary and I, have played in at least two tournaments where helmets were not required for forwards or defensemen. Obviously, it would be a good idea to have a helmet if you're in goal, but they... It's encouraged. Yeah, this isn't the uh, pre-50s. But um, maybe, maybe Anthony's right technically that the the leagues have the requirement. Obviously, you'd want to to save yourself a lot of aggravation and, and needless injury as well. People out there would probably look to sue at the drop of a hat, among other things. But 
importantly, you'd probably want to keep the well-being of everybody as your priority. And I think even if you look around on YouTube of clips of deck hockey leagues, they, at least from what I've seen, I think they all have helmets on. So Anthony is not wrong. I don't think we were either, but I hope I don't sound too defensive the irony being I'm a defenseman, but uh, I'm glad that he listened. I'm glad that he was paying attention, and I think it was a good point to bring up. So I think we were kind of both right on, on that aspect. Well, James, I am here to tell you that upon doing my due diligence and research, Anthony, you were wrong, my friend. I found evidence of at least two leagues just here in New York, the Blacktop Street Hockey League and the Mofo Hockey League in Manhattan. Neither require skaters to wear helmets. It is suggested, even encouraged, but a helmet is not required by that league to play. You, sir, have been decked. <laughs> deck, deck, because it's because it's the the hit the hit the deck podcast and it, it's it's okay. Uh, you know, I'm calling a double minor on myself. Two minutes for unsportsmanlike and two minutes for a really poor attempt at comedy. I'm I'm gonna put myself in the box over here. I'm gonna... <laughs> dead air is bad for a podcast, so I guess I kind of have to make amends. Yeah, I I should be thrown in the penalty box too because obviously I was wrong. I thought that. Uh... I didn't realize that MoFo did not require helmets, which, stupid me, that was one of the tournaments that we played in last year. So we weren't members of the league itself, but we did participate in a tournament where they did not require helmets for the skaters. So thank you very much. I'm taking myself out of the box because you're right. Dead air is boring. In in your defense, the tournament that we participated in was i believe sponsored by them or co-sponsored by them but it was not strictly speaking a mofo tournament but anyway <laughs> um anthony i'm sorry for being silly and acting yeah we want to keep our listeners like so thank you sir you're the best you're you're right you thank, weren't really wrong thank it yeah he was but uh, thank thank you anyway for participating in the conversation Last minute remaining in the podcast. Okay, I guess we got to wrap up. So uh, if you, the listener, would like to participate in the conversation just like Anthony did, then you can feel free to hit us up at hitthedeck at gmail.com. That's deck, D-E-K, like deck hockey, which is what this podcast is about. Hitthedeck at gmail.com. Please feel free to give us your name, your position, what team you play on, your number, where you play, any combination thereof of information that you'd like to give us so we can identify you on the air you the listener thanks for checking us out you can follow us on facebook and instagram at hit the deck and on twitter at hit the deck pod as always we'd like to thank anthony sajazi for the music and once again pops and the liq for helping out with our sound and if you would like please subscribe to the podcast in itunes james parting thoughts you said it my friend i reiterate what you just said with all of the participation and uh yeah thanks for listening out there tell your friends and hope you enjoyed as much as we did all right and lastly one final reminder it's deck hockey don't be that guy thanks everybody <laughs>